This is Train to Perform, the undisputed alpha podcast in training, fitness, and sports performance. Here, you'll develop your skills with the cold, hard facts in fitness, sports performance, recovery, and nutrition. Real, tried and true, evidence-based facts that have been proven to move you faster, move you stronger, and move you forward. Now, here's your host of Train to Perform, Julian Sisman. And welcome back to the Train to Perform podcast. Thanks again for listening. Um, this is Julian Sisman, your host. Uh, today we have Steve Fell, who is, uh, works as the Human Performance Advisor and S- Special Operations for um, basically the SEALs, Green Berets, th- those type of um, armed forces. Um, but... The reason that he's on this podcast is because of his uh, background um, in uh, sports performance. Um, He has worked with U.S. Soccer Federation, Phoenix Rising, Houston Dynamo, um, a bunch of universities in Florida, including Flagler College, um, and as the head head of performance. Um, he's also a physical therapist, so he has a great um, perspective on a number of different topics that we talk about, especially, you know, just strain training um, for youth, um, sort of the, uh, what is necessary to, um, you know, help younger athletes um, prepare for the next level, if that is college, if that is um you know, taking it from college to the pro level, um, or even from the youth level to the pro level. So we, uh, we talk about a whole bunch of things, um, on top of what I just mentioned. So hope you guys enjoy it. Um, please again, rate and review after listening. Um, we greatly appreciate your feedback. Obviously got introed from Tyler, but I realized I, I didn't, um, do a thorough investigation or research on you. I noticed that you went to Towson. Are you from Maryland? I am from Maryland. Yeah. Oh, really? Where, yeah. where from? Uh, I grew up in uh, Berlin, Maryland, just outside of Ocean City. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. That's sweet. Yeah, man. How about yourself? So I, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, from like Silver Spring. Yeah. Blackville area. Um, okay. So I've been, I've been around here since, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I went away, yeah. I went away, uh, I went to Ohio state for a year. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, I did my thing there. Um, I won't, I won't explain why I left. Um, but, uh, it was good. It was a different experience. Obviously D one soccer is, uh, another level and, um, you know, I'm trying to now help kids uh, get to that level if they if they choose. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I played like you know probably you've probably heard Bethesda soccer. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. In this area, um, and uh, yeah, and then I I was messing around trying to go to Europe after school after high school. Um, so I just went to MC for a little bit, which is like community college here. And then I ended up just playing there um, just to keep playing yeah. and uh, was pretty successful actually. And then I went to like a tournament and that's how I got recruited uh, to go to Ohio State. But then after okay. that, I, 
I really uh, just start and I transferred to AU and just start playing club soccer. So Arizona. No, no, no. AU, American. 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 Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. when I just did AU, I was like, oh, okay. But it's just in my in my head. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, it's all good. That's great. Yeah. The, uh, what, how, how old are you? I'm um, 32. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a little bit older. Um, I, my club growing up was uh, Columbia, so I, I was... Okay. So I'm familiar with... Who did you that, play for? Uh, a team called Columbia Strikers. Who's your coach? I'm just curious. Uh, it was it was uh, Eric McAleer and and then John John. Uh, what was John's last name? I don't. It was uh, you your, players more so than coaches. Um, okay. What? Uh, who'd you play with? Uh, so guys like uh, Mikey Del Russo and Ian Rodway and Danny Mangello, Kaiser Chowdhury, Matt White. Um, they're all, you know, what age, are, what age are you? Like an 80, what? 80, 83. 83. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, I mean, really like I, uh, the reason I kind of reach out to kind of soccer slash fitness i mean not fitness physical preparation um you know realm um especially you know you you know looking at what you've done um you are obviously a dpt so you have done the physical prep but you also probably do the rehab too to some extent so really what i'm you know i'm trying to just take this podcast to sort of educate you know, mm-hmm. people that listen to it, if it's athletes, if it's parents, if the coaches, um, you know, you know, that's kind of the reason why I created, re, re brought the SIG back was, uh, there was there, and, and I'm sure, you know, there's the, there's this huge gap between, you know, physical preparation, soccer coaches, just like understanding, you know, what, what, why is it needed, you know, and, oh, yes. you know, and the benefits and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I started my, I, I started this just to, you know, create a sort of dialogue with not only me as a strength coach, but you know, I've coached soccer too. Um, but also, you know, people like you and, um, I, I have other, you know, people like nutrition and like other stuff, but, but it's good to have like a mix so that, you know, I have a hit sort of everything that I work with as a private business. For sure. Um, so, so really like, you know, kind of give me a background on, you know, where you started, you know, why you got to where you, you know, you are now. Um, you know, I know you've hit, you know, multiple different, you know, industries and MLS, USL, you know, and youth. So like you've hit everything. So it's good to talk to you because you're like, all right, you know, this is where you need to get here and this is where you need to get here. And a lot of people don't realize that until they like, you know, see or hear from somebody that, you know, either is the actual player or works with the players to get there. If that makes For sense. sure. Yeah, no. Well, first, you know, first off, really appreciate the invitation to come on. Uh, I really am super passionate about this area, specifically, you know, football and how the physical preparation side can 
can can contribute to to players, you know, longevity and and uh, you know ultimately performance and and, and extending careers. So yeah, uh, right. Super, super pumped to uh, to 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 be on the podcast today, and I hope uh, hope people can take some things from it. But you know, my 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 background, like like many people, get into it is you know I, I used to play, you know, and uh, that's experience of playing and, and kind of being, uh, someone that needed to, uh, maximize the physical aspects of things to, to contribute to a team was, was kind of the thing that you could control the most, um, in my experience. So trying to physically be ready to, to help the team do well was always kind of my, uh, I, I want to say kind of my bread and butter, uh, or so I thought I was always injured. So I, you know, I trained a bunch, felt like, uh, everybody thought I was fit, but in my mind I was always injured. So that's, that's not fitness. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's all, it's, it's, so it got to this, just, just this, uh, this situation where, um, I, nobody could really tell me, you know, what was, you know, how to train or, um, how to tie it into football, you know, nobody, nobody. So, uh, that kind of started to, uh, spark my curiosity, you know, with trying to figure out, you know, uh, learn, learn a bit about the training process and, and, you know, figure out, you know, if the training process was a specific, is a specific way, then a plus B equals C, uh, you know, you do this, you do this and you're, you're okay. But that was uh, definitely not, my experience, you know, because, uh, injury never fit into that equation. So, um, that led me to pursue, uh, you know, uh, undergrad in, in exercise science from Towson university. Um, you know, which was super interesting because as you know, I played at Towson and it allowed me to kind of, uh, think about some of the things that we were doing and, uh, in a, in a little bit of a different way, um, than just going and, and doing it. Uh, and to be fair to the coach there, Frank Olszewski, uh, he he was well beyond his years with regards to uh, volume, intensity, period, tactical periodization, um, mm-hmm. and these, these type of terms that you hear. So, uh, without me knowing, uh, it was already a, a, a decent situation. So you know, after after school, you know, I, I ended up uh, having the opportunity, a very uh, modest career with the Baltimore Blasts. For, for three seasons, again, super injury riddled, uh, you know, wasn't good enough to, 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 to make any money, uh, more, more just a very, uh, average, um, player that, that would work hard for the guys that could play. And, and that's, and that was the role and it was, it was great while it lasted, but at the end, uh, still struggling with a lot of injuries and, you know, um, and that's not, that's definitely not the reason why I didn't extend the career. It was just simply wasn't good enough and realized that early on. And, but I saw this gap, uh, in understanding with, uh, still physical preparation, even at that, even at that level. So that led me down a path of, you know, where, you know, where could I get the most bang for my buck as far as understanding the human body, understanding the whole continuing of, of rehab to performance to sports science, where, where was the best. And, and at the time I, I thought it was physical therapy school. And so I applied and ended up getting in at the university of St. Augustine 
And while I was super uh, excited and, you know, felt like the education was, was, was good, uh, especially from, you know, uh, a nervous system, musculoskeletal system, you know, assessments, uh, evaluation standpoint, there was still, and I, there's still a massive gap in, you know, the methodologies to bring somebody from one point after you've identified a tissue specific impairment, or you've identified a limitation or dysfunction, there were still limitations in the method. Okay, well, what do you do next? How do you make that information actionable? And uh, I remember being super frustrated because I thought I would get that information in PT school. Uh, you know, and then the methods that that uh, I'm referring to is just like, you know, exercise prescription or, um, you know, uh, you know, energy system developments, you know, you know, different parameters to work into elicit different training adaptations. And it definitely, it definitely didn't, uh, didn't do that in, in physical therapy school. While the education was great on, on one end, it didn't, uh, it didn't fill in that method, that, that methodology to, to be able to really help somebody. You could tell somebody all day long what was going on. Cool. But to, to help them and give them something actionable, which is something nobody could tell me was what I was kind of reliving, you know? So, in PT school, I, I went to uh, Dave Tenney's first uh, sports science mentorship in my 2000. Old coach. What's that? Dave? Said Dave was my old coach. Yeah, yeah. Super, I mean, Dave is a, he's a great dude, super smart. Um, and in my opinion, between him and uh, Paul Caffrey of Houston Dynamo are pioneers within the States of uh, bringing – I would say high performance to, to football, uh, to this, to this industry. So, so I reached out to him in, in PT school and he said, Hey, you should, you know, come check this out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I went for sure and was, uh, completely changed, you know, completely blown, blew my mind with that. There's an actual, there's an actual process or uh, a training uh, not an objective way to, to help guide your training processes. So from that moment on, I, I knew that was the environment I wanted to be in, or that's, that's the content that I wanted to marry with, with the education of, of physical therapy. And, and that's, and that's kind of what I, what I set out to do. And I, I graduated school and went to, uh, you know, practice as an outpatient therapist for, for two years, but at the same time went, uh, knew, you know, to get experience, went back to Towson and, and volunteered my time, you know, three days a week as a, as an assistant strength coach, just, to, just to get, you know, cut my teeth a little bit and, and start to understand a little bit more about performance. And that experience opened up the door to go back to St. Augustine, Florida to take a uh, director of performance role with a small division two school called Flagler College, um, where I uh, work with all the, the varsity teams from in the strength and conditioning standpoint, but also handled all the post-op, uh, post-op work for the student athletes that, that, you know, had had surgery. And, and that was the, my first experience of really tying in, you know, that continuum, that continuum of, of rehabilitation and, and performance and then starting to, to dabble into some, some methods of, uh, monitoring, you know, and, and it was, it was, a it was, it was great in a lot of ways. And that it kind of threw you into the fire and, you know, f- as you make your mistakes, you know, and you, you try to correct and you, you start to see just how interconnected everything is. And 
that that uh, experience for me uh, is kind of where I first started to develop. Uh, I'd say a philosophy. You know, I don't want to say philosophy or methodology, but it started to shape some of my principles with regards to to physical um, preparation. You know, especially uh, specifically for um, I'm going to say athletes uh, as opposed to one specific um, sport. You know, so. You know, from there, you know, I, I thought I was in the job for life. Uh, it was just an unbelievable environment. But uh, I ended up getting a, a phone call from a, a from a, a guy who I played played with, a guy named Michael Del Russo, um, who was cut. You know, started. You know, went to Maryland, coached in Maryland, then ended up coaching at uh, Arizona United, and then ended up going into Houston Dynamo's organization. And he uh, he just called me and said, "Hey, I've got an opportunity. Are you interested?" And uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to fly out and, and meet the head coach at that time was Wilmer Cabrera. And, uh, basically told me that, uh, you know, I, I think you're a nice guy, but, uh, if, uh, if you're not good at your job, you're going to be fired in a week. And that was, that was my introduction to, to a profession, to the professional level. Intro to MLS. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so I ended up, I ended up going and, uh, the first, so I spent three years with Houston and the first year was at the USL level with, with Wilmer Cabrera and Michael Del Russo. And we had, it was a, it was a new, new team, a uh, new USL club, uh, did, did really well. We were one point away from winning uh, the regular season, uh, the Western conference and made it to the, made it to the playoffs first year. And that experience and, and that success allowed us all an opportunity to, to move up to the first team um, with Wilmer. Oh, so you were like a Houston two team, I guess. Yeah, you could call. It, we we're called okay. uh, RGV, RGV, Rio Grande Valley. So um, okay, okay, okay. So that's that is our that's the hybrid USL club for for Houston Dynamo. Uh, but you know the success that that uh, that Wilmer and Mike had um, benefited all of us, and you know unfortunately you know Houston didn't have as much success that year, so. As it as it goes, you know, one staff comes in, goes out, the other one comes in, and that's where uh, I spent the next two years uh, with the Houston Dynamo, and where I really I felt uh, learned how to be a, a a physical preparation coach, specifically in football. Um, an amazing mentor in the in the in Paul Caffrey, um, who's been at it for a super long time. Um, I I don't do any of these things or I always make sure to mention him because honestly, without him and his guidance and his, his, uh, you know, his, his true talk, um, you don't, you don't grow, uh, and you don't survive in that, in that environment. So, uh, I owe him a lot and, uh, attribute a lot of things that I've been able to go, go on and do to, to that time with him. So, um, that was an amazing two years. And after, after the, the third year, I ended up, uh, taking a position with Phoenix rising football club, uh, in the USL and did that up until July, uh, of this year. And I have actually just taken a new role as a, uh, like human performance advisor, or you could think of it as like a performance manager, or a high performance director, uh, for special operations force and, the in the military here in, uh, here in South Florida. So, uh, all those experiences have, uh, have kind of led me here and, 
it's it's oh, it's yeah. awesome because it all kind of leads in you know human performance is is uh there's a human you know, human beings and physiology and movement are, are, are and are the same you know or not the yeah. same but you know the principles are the same so uh, taking taking what you've learned from uh, principles of, of human development and uh, you know, training methodology and, and, and implementing into a system with a, a different population, there's a lot of there's a lot of carryover and a ton of similarities. So, um, so yeah, you know, between that and still working with uh, U.S. Soccer, you know, with the with the U19s, uh, just as a you know as a as a you know network sports scientist. Um, and also doing some work remotely, uh, just helping uh, Flyway College women's soccer with and uh, and University of Central Arkansas men's soccer with some um, Jesus you know, with with some planning as more as a as a consultant, you know, doing a lot of yeah. their, doing a lot of their you know planning, uh, looking at a lot of their data uh, to help them drive some some decision makings. Um, and that's and that's kind of how I keep my my stay connected to the game because it's my it's my yeah, love it's yeah. what I love to do yeah. my passion um, and I'll never be completely removed from it. Uh, unfortunately, I've been able to you know get enough experiences where you know I I think uh, you know more than happy to to lend a hand if if coaches need it you know so yeah there's a couple of programs that that don't don't mind having me on board so. Um, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Sorry for the long winded. I didn't know. No, it was gonna, no, it's good. Um, but yeah, no, no, I mean, uh, I, it's I like that. I mean, it's it's good to because you know at the end of the day, it's like you know whoever listens to it, no matter what, if it's a co- if it's somebody in like the same position as us, they understand like the process, um, you know, and you know how to get kind of where you know where you are, or if, if that's their at, you know. If that's where they want to be, um, but yeah, that's that's great. I mean, you know, it does. It takes a lot. You know, uh, it's not like you know overnight you 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 got to where you are now. And I do feel like since we, since we're on this topic, um, you know, I think everybody sees the uh, you know the prospect of working with athletes and working in pro sport. Um, you know, is like super glamorous, you know, this is what, this is what people see, you know, but, um, to those interested in, in, in maybe going down that path, um, you know, it is, uh, it is an absolute, uh, it's an absolute grind. If it's done well, um, you are, you are, uh, must be available at all times because you're there for the players and it's, uh, it's, it's not something that you get clocked in in the morning, clock out. It's, it's something where you're always turned on. So uh, I think that's uh, whenever I speak with young coaches who kind of, you know, ask about, you know, the path and, and how to get there and do it. Uh, I always make sure to tell them, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a, it is a grind and you have to do a lot of things that are not sexy and, that's just the way it is, you know, but that, that's part of it. And I think that's, I think that applies to a lot of, to a lot of positions, but um, it's, it's for sure. Not all the, not all the glam and the, uh, and the glory that, that I think people initially make it, make it out to be. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's, um, and that, I mean, and that's, that's a, I think that goes along the same lines with just, you know, 
being even even in a high even in a college level like even if you're a physical prep coach in college like uh you know when i was at ohio state like you're you know you're there all day uh it's not like you know hey i'm I'm here at six and i'm i'm out at you know six or what or three in the afternoon i mean even if you're with other teams you might have a the, a soccer player come in later on in the day and say, Hey, you know, I got this, or I, I want to work on this like extra or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's not, and that's the same with me, like even owning a business, it's, you know, I'm here for my clients. I'm here for, you know, if they need something, it's not, I, I can't, you know, yeah. If they're texting me at 11 o'clock at night, yeah, I'm not going to answer. But if it's like six, seven, eight o'clock at night and they want a question, like I'm pretty, you know, you know, open to saying, all right, what's going on? Like, you, what do you need help with? Uh, you know, even if it's, especially youth athlete. And I mean, I, I guess we can kind of segue into this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those are the kids that, you know, those are the, that's the future. So like, if there's an, if any type of issue, I'm always like on top trying to make sure that they're getting the most out of what they, I mean, at this point, what they're paying for. Um, because the more you give, even if it's for free, um, you know, the benefit and the doubt for them. So like, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of people don't realize the, the amount of work that you have to go through, um, especially at that pro level. It, yeah. Like I've, yeah. I, I've, 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 a, a friend who is the ATC at the, What's that? Portland Thorns. You yeah. probably know him, um, Pierre. Pierre. I'm not. I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think I've met Pierre. I know. Okay. I know those guys over there on the on the first on the first team uh, oh, on the Timbers. Okay. On the on the yeah, Timbers. Yeah, okay. But I haven't met. I haven't met Pierre. I don't think. Yeah, he was at he, he was at the Spirit for a while, Washington Spirit, um, and then um, I mean, the, and then he just kind of uh, he was he. I, I think he went to the Thorns because he was like very close with Mark Parsons, who's the coach at the Thorns. So, you know, he brought him on later on. But anyways, you know, when he was at the Spirit, I mean, we're talking, uh, he would tell us like <laughs> he's working from like 8 till 12 at night. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, dude, that's crazy. And like, and it's not one or two days a week. It's like almost every single day. Every day, with maybe a one day off, maybe. Your your off days, your flight home from Seattle to uh, the opposite end of the country. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, when you were at Phoenix Rising, did you only work with uh, the pro or the the higher level team? Isn't it USL? Yeah. So yeah, Phoenix Rising is in the younger kids. Too. So they do have a uh, they do have a club um, or an academy. It's an it's an academy now. Um, so I, I was able to do a little bit with the academy. Um, okay. And my assistant at Phoenix kind of spearheaded the academy. That was that was his. Um, he executed all, a lot of the sessions. But you know, I was I had the opportunity to work with them and kind of create a, a model. I would say create a model. Implement. Uh, a model uh, for for them uh, to try to mimic what we were doing with the with the first team, yeah. with regards to physical preparation. So, going along those lines, 
you know, talking about physical preparation for a soccer player, uh, you know, youth athlete, um, you know, it's, it's the big, it's like right now it's like always a, always a topic of conversation with, Hey, when should my son or daughter start to participate? Um, what are the bent? Why, why are they even doing it? Um, you know, how do I, you know, pick somebody or how do I find somebody that can help me, you know, get to that point for them to potentially play college or and beyond. In your point of view, you know, what is sort of necessary, you know, why is it necessary? You know, what are the benefits? I mean, especially from your point of view, because mm-hmm. you can look at it in two different perspectives of a physical therapist mm-hmm. and a, you know, a strength coach. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, and again, this is, this is my, my opinion and it doesn't yeah. mean it's the right, it's the right, uh, the right way to go about it. But in, in, in my opinion, speaking sp- specifically uh, with football, um, I believe that players need to play. I believe they need to play. Uh, it's a skilled sport, specific adaptation imposed demand states to be better at, you know, anything you need to do it. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, um, yeah, that, that's a, that's something that, uh, I'd like to say right off the bat, because I know a lot of people might disagree, you know, but I do feel that players, uh, need to play to develop the appropriate movement patterns, uh, energy systems and strength within that sport, you know, uh, while having the, while being in a chaotic environment where the, where a ball is involved and players are trying to either, uh, tackle you or get by you, you know, it's really, it's very hard to recreate that. That's those specific demands, um, outside of the game. Okay. Uh, saying that, I think that, we, there is a uh, there is certainly a space for athletes, especially young athletes, to do things other than play. Okay, and I think that's super important. You hear the term uh, one sided fitness. You hear that you hear that term. You know, and if you look at adolescence and you look at uh, the prevalence of overuse injuries, specifically related to like growth plates and stress fractures and all these types of things that are, that are, t- that are volume based, volume related, you know, consistent, uh, consistent, uh, you know, what the word that I'm searching for where, uh, consistent stress, right. To the system repetitively, repetitively, repetitively that, you know, at, at, at any age can be problematic, but I think specifically in a, in a growing in a younger person who is, who is growing constantly uh, it becomes super important to kind of expose them to all sorts of movement patterns. Right. So, and even play other sports. Right. And I know that's a big, that's a big topic, but I do believe that, you know, exposing athletes to different types of movement patterns, whether that be in a different sport, whether that be, through, through gym work, whether that be uh, just through play, it, it is really important. But I, I think what gets lost there is, you know, that needs to happen, but it, there's always a cost. So as one thing happens, does that mean 
you take away from the footballing aspect of things. I think I think there's a point where at certain periods of time there has to be that give and take because doing going 100 miles an hour on both ends okay puts you in the same predicament of you know excessive volume excessive fatigue accumulation uh, you know fatigue accumulation limiting our ability you know to to control movements in chaotic environments thus uh, you know putting us in more putting individuals in more risk for you know for potential things that could go wrong. And so for me, it's, it's, it's a me, it's something, it's somewhere in the middle and it only happens with communication and the communication. When I say that it needs to happen between the, the sport coach, it needs to happen with parents and it needs to happen with uh, the, the, the performance coach or, and or the ATC or the physio that's there so that everybody has an understanding of, of what's coming. Also to that point, it takes a lot of organization, okay? Because one stressor, one one heavy stimulus backed up with another heavy, heavy stimulus can be detrimental and doesn't necessarily promote positive adaptation as often as if something is a little bit more organized, okay, throughout the training week, throughout the training week and months. So that's a that's that's a long answer, but for me, there's absolutely a space for soccer athletes, particularly to step off, get away from the field to work on things that are going to help them be a little bit more resilient when they get back on the field. But the overuse of that, I think is, I think the, there's a lot of resistance, especially with sports coaches. Okay. Because soccer being a good soccer player requires you to play soccer. So there's there. I think the disconnect becomes where the communication is lost. You have a, one kid going over here doing this, running to a practice right afterwards, doing another another thing, and then you get to this you know kind of crazy cascade of you know fatigue and and yeah. uh, you know niggles coming up and yep. uh, decrements in performance. You know um, you know all these things. So. I, I think I think the key is, is the communication between all parties, um, you know, between all all stakeholders who, who are making decisions, including the, the the kid that's involved or the child that's involved, and and uh, trying to execute that plan as best you can, knowing that you'll never be able to control all the variables to a T. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with you. I mean, I think especially the volume volume fatigue that you talk about um is i think why and and you you correct me if i'm wrong is why a lot of injuries occur um i i uh, I, from my personal experience and just listening and watching you know from the past three four years of being around you know a lot of youth soccer players um and the kids that are getting hurt the you know reoccurring um seem to do this thing of uh, wanting to do extra training of ball and skill work. Not saying that it's not necessary, but on top of, um, you know, doing it during practice or during in season. And, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that, but, but it's like, if you can't, go hundred percent in practice because you're going to an hour of skill training before, like, why do you need to go before? 
Like it's not necessary. Um, and I think a lot of kids want to do all this extra work and it's, it's become this issue in this country, especially, I think, um, like thinking that more and more and more, especially in season is going to help you get to where you need to be. But it's like, yes and no. I mean, it doesn't need to be every single day that you're doing skill work or whatever. Um, but like, I feel that if you want to get better as a player, you gotta, you gotta give a hundred percent at your, your practice. You can't come to practice like, like dead already from something prior and not, not even being able to practice hard. Uh, Cause I feel like in order for you to get better, it's better to be around like the team that you're going to be with. And, and as a team, you get better. Um, I mean, I don't know. You, you tell me, I just feel, I, I see it around here. I mean, we're in an area and you know this, I mean, you, you probably know this. We're in an area where like money is like, it's whatever. And people want to, you know, put this, their kid in, you know, skill training. And then they have like four days of practice during the week. And then they got like two games on the weekend. And then they go to the games and they're like dead because there, there, there's no rest day or no like recovery and things like sure. that. So, you know, I, like, for instance, I had a conversation with a mom last night and um, she's like, oh, the girl comes to me twice a week. We do some strength training. Um, came to me yesterday, like tired. I was like, yo, what's going on? I can tell just the body language, um, just the way she's walking. Oh, I had practice till 1030 last night. And then I had to go to even though we don't there's no high school soccer here now. OK, because of the covid. Oh, I had to go to this, like, put my, put my face in front of the high school girls that I'm, I'm like, committed, even though there's no season, nothing. Um, and, and then so I tell the mom, like, why does she go? Like, there's no season. And she's, like, a high-level player. And I'm like, she needs to focus on DA, and that's it. Like, there's no reason for her to go. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but, like, stoop to, like, that lower level and potentially even get hurt because she was tired from practice from the previous night. And it's just like one of those things where like, again, like you said, it's communication and like teaching these parents that you don't need to like throw your kid in every single activity that's possible for them to get better. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, the, the pay for play model isn't, uh, isn't, con isn't conducive to optimize, uh, you know, physical abilities, you know, especially when we're in this situation, I won't, I won't harp too much on this. It's just, just my opinion, you know, you know, kids want to get to college, you know, parents are told for your kids to get to college, this is how it needs to be. And that, that paradigm is kind of, uh, counterintuitive to, trying to bring an athlete up in a way that is a little bit more, uh, responsible, uh, with regards to training principles. Um, you know, but that's, that's the world, that is the world we live in. And that's, and I think unless you're in a, uh, an academy, uh, like an MLS Academy uh, or USL Academy, uh, where players are on site, where everything is school is there. Okay. Their job is to go to school and, and play, uh, as well, as well as, uh, you know, as well as the, the family being, being there as well. 
unless you have that, you know, it's, it's, I think the the biggest thing that we can, we can do, okay, is, is support the parent and support the, the kid by bringing everybody on board to have a conversation, to get an idea of, of, of what's coming, of first of all, where they're coming from, what's, what's the angle, where are we going? And then as always, you know, we have, a, there's a plan to get there that is going to change based off of the presentation uh, and the readiness of, of the individual. So, and people, it sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah. Okay. It's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. And it takes, it takes a lot of work to be able to button that, that kind of communication and collaboration among different stakeholders within that, that individual. So, um, but it's a, it's a reality that I think the majority of players, especially in the United States are going to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And, uh, and I think that's, that's, uh, I, d- I definitely agree with you, especially with, you know, it's hard to get to that, that next level. Cause I mean, look, there's plenty of re- plenty of numbers out there saying that, you know, I think it's like 1% make it to D one of all the kids that are like playing. And you think about how many kids are playing in this country soccer. I mean, it's, there's a lot. And, uh, and, and that's what, and I, and I feel like, I mean, I, I know it's, it's kind of going on a tangent because we're talking about club, more club soccer, but I just feel like some of them are not educating the parents enough about, Hey, you know, this is, this is, this is what, how these kids got here. This is what it's going to potentially take for you to get there. You know, are you, is it, are you committed to that versus, I mean, again, like you said, we, we're in a pay to play. So most clubs are just trying to get as much money as they can to foster whatever, whatever they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's interesting in the, in the youth area in this country um, because, you know, not every MLS club, especially here in DC, not every MLS club has, uh, you know, a youth sports performance director, um, or somebody that's dealing with that stuff with, um, you know, the MLS club teams. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, that's sort of not like a, um, I don't want to, I'm trying to think of the word, sort of not like a mandate or something that the MLS puts towards the club. So I think it's a great way for these kids to, you know, make it to that next level. If they're not getting that physical prep at the youth level, because I mean, you and I know, like even in college, uh, you know, if you're not at least getting a little bit stronger and a little bit faster, you know, not just from playing, um, you know, physically, uh, it's going to be hard for you to make it. That transition. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, we know that, uh, you know, time missed is, is a sig- is significant, uh, significantly reduces opportunities, right. For, mm-hmm. you know, for, for developing as a player or, uh, for, you know, having the opportunity to be in front of people who make decisions about getting on teams or whatever this might be. And, you know, it's the physical prep is, is a, is a big, is a big piece. Um, but it, it is a, it's a piece, right? It's a piece. Yeah. It has to be the, the, the tying in of, of it, um, with 
the other things that go along with being a good footballer it is important. And to separate them, I think, and, and silo them, I think is, uh, in my opinion, the, the wrong approach. It has to be a, a collaborative effort um, to, for example, um, I would, I would urge, I would urge player, you know, performance coaches that, uh, work with that work with soccer players to understand principles of play that, that coaching staffs talk about, you know, I would urge them to understand, uh, what days are, you know, and I'm, this might be a different at the club level, but I'm, I'm speaking more of a professional level, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they can take things from it, you know, understanding what, what the plan is for the day and the week. Um, can help guide a lot of the supplemental work that happens in the, in the weight room, which is super important, but it doesn't take away for, from the quality that is necessary on the field to, to help the team in, in all aspects. So that, that again, it, I, I, it goes back to what's the communication like and what is the reasoning for what you're doing supplemental, from a supplemental standpoint throughout the week, you know, is it something that's, and, and I know, I know a lot of people fall into it, you know, here's a schedule. This is, you know, kind of how we go about it and it doesn't change. You know, we, Tuesdays are acceleration days, Thursdays are, uh, you know, shuffle cut days or, 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 lateral, or lateral days or, you know, multi-directional days, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's, that's four weeks programmed out and we're going to hit, you know, uh, we're doing anterior chain on Tuesday and, and, you know, we might throw some, uh, some top end speed work on that day too. You know, all, so all those things, right. And then the kids go and they're playing an 11 v 11, you know, eight v eight match, uh, you know, scrimmage or whatever it might be in training that Tuesday, right after they lift, you know? And so th those are two, those are two pretty demanding activities back to back that ultimately, in my opinion, takes away from the ultimate goal of the kid, which is to be a good soccer player. You know, that work that's done in the weight room is absolutely critical. One, I, and nobody can ever tell me anything different than that. It's just the timing and the introduction of it. Where does it fall in a training week? Knowing that soccer is, is year round, there's very little off season. So how do we, how do we incorporate good movement competency? How do we introduce these different movement skills in a way that is, doesn't take away, doesn't take away from, from what they do in a training session, but, uh, but, but enhance and, and supplement along the way. And I think that, I think that comes in to, you know, it's done it, the quality super high, it's low volume and it's done on a consistent basis. And over time that accumulation has, I think, um, awesome effects, you know, profound effects uh, in creating, you know, someone that, that can handle more work and someone that can handle uh, more intensity and, and potentially maybe uh, help with, you know, recovery processes and, and these types of things. So, um, you know, for me, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how I view it. I, the, 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 the camps that kind of lie on, I'll give a great example, you know, my strength coach, here that 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 I work with, uh, you know, loves loves football and can't understand uh, why a sports coach would take away from from the weight room. 
And then I have a, a coach that I speak to often that absolutely hates strength training. You have to hide it within the warm up. You have to hide it within the session, you know, to, to get anything out of it. And I think both have, I think both are, are, are um, you know, I would say, I would say both uh, are a little would have, I would argue with both, both sides of that and say there, there is a, there's a good balance in the middle, but in order for it to, to really come to life, the, the communication needs to occur so that you can get done what you need to get done and ultimately allow this player the opportunity to, to improve. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I'm, 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 th- I'm been thinking about what you said at the beginning of this, talking about the, um, uh, like linear speed day and and then going out and playing uh, aviator 11 v 11. Um, it's interesting that you brought that up because, um, you know, I uh, it's it's hard to it's obviously at more of a USL or MLS level, you can sort of fix that. Because you're like, you can have that t- conversation with the coach. Hey, what are we doing today? All right, we're doing that. All right, I'm going to totally revamp the workout for the day. And this is what it's going to be instead. Um, because, you know, at the youth level, if you hit up a, co- a high school, co- like a club coach, <laughs> you mean, you're, there's like a 50-50% chance that you probably will never hear from the guy. So it's one of those things where I'm communicating a lot with the kids. And I'm like, what, what did you do yesterday? And what are you, what, when's the next session? When's the next game? So it's like one of those things where like, like I have a plan and it's like, they're like, oh, I got, I got practice tomorrow. And then I got two scrimmages. It's like, oh, oh, okay, cool. We're going to do low volume, maybe high intensity. And then you're out of here 30, 45 minutes. And that's it. I mean, that's, and, and they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you don't, I don't, you need to control fatigue as you said before, because the more, more pound is crazy. And so it's interesting that you say that because, um, there's a lot of strength coaches that I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to downplay anybody, but that I feel that don't really understand that. And I, and you know, I think at the end of the day, the best thing for us is the communication we have with the kid or the player or the coach because, or, and having the ability to quickly, you know, re revamp mm-hmm. what, what you're going to do. Cause yeah. you never know, you never know what's going to happen really. Yeah. No. And, you know, I think, I think, the you know, sometimes, you know, that, that's, a, that's not uncommon to, um, you know, work within the club and, you know, with a club team and the coach might not have a plan that's buttoned up or they might not have it. That's, you know, organized for the week. It, it, that, that happens. Um, probably more often than not. Uh, but, you know, speak, I like what you said about, you know, speaking to the, to the player because they can give you a lot of insight. And I think that's where simple monitoring comes into play, like wellness scores and RPEs, you know, to be able to, again, have, be a little bit more responsible in, I say responsible, just not in a, in a malice way, but more of a, to help guide the training process, right. To help guide what you, what you have planned and what you'd like to do, um, you know, throughout the week, you know, a simple, you know, a situation like that, where when, you know, individuals have a game on the weekend, you know, versus, 
and you know they train Tuesday, Thursday, you might not speak to the coach. You know, how, what's a quick adjustment that you could do? You know, you say, okay, well, maybe we just do upper body core on a Thursday, right? Because we know a match is coming. We don't know what's coming in the training session, but at least we're, you know, unloading them from a volume standpoint on the, low, on the lower body so that hopefully they'll have enough freshness and readiness going into going into Saturday's game, you know, and that, and that type of process, I think that's a very simple example. And it's a very, um, uh, easy change, right. That, that you can, that can be implemented, but I don't know, you know, I think if you, you don't know what you don't know, right. So unless you've been in the situations where you've made those mistakes, um, I think it's very hard for, for people, especially in the private sector, because they're working so hard, they're putting in so many hours. It's often hours that are here and here and here that sometimes that that becomes an almost impossible task, right? To, to have those, those conversations. So, you know, and, and the reason why I say it is I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens a lot. And I, and I, I don't, uh, I, I can, you can easily see why it doesn't, you know, because of, because of all those things that I just mentioned. So, um, conversations with the kid, that's, I mean, that is certainly better than nothing. Being able to add a small wellness questionnaire or RPE scale, um, to them daily with, with, with daily communication. Um, even though that, you know, you talk about research and you talk about the RPE scale is, you know, void or whatever, it gives you some information. Yeah. And that you can look at to help you make a decision where maybe you have some uncertainty, you know, and, and that's, that's how, that's how I view all data collection. You know, they're never absolutes. It's just a, uh, it's just a, a framework to help catch, you know, catch red flags and, and maybe just have a conversation and maybe that's all it is. Or maybe it's a situation where you're decreasing, you know, sets reps or, you know, you know, ESD work that you, that you had planned, you know, th those types of things. So I, I think those little changes, um, have huge impacts in the longevity, uh, and, and the ability to train, uh, without, without suffering setbacks like injury, uh, you know, and they're not sexy, you know, they don't cost yeah. anything, but it's, it's more of a, it's more of a process and a, and a principle that, that, I think when you start, when, when, when strength coaches, especially young strength coaches start to live by, it starts to create really good habits and those good habits ultimately, you know, uh, flow in to, to the athletes. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're going to benefit, you know, and, and you're going to benefit because of, because of them being able to go on and do, do good things. So, um, that's, that's, those are small things, easy, not sexy, but, uh, but I think, I think have the biggest bang for a buck, especially in this situation where you don't know what's happening with them. You don't know where they are constantly. You don't have control over schedules. Um, I, th I think it's, I think it's a really good way to, to go about it. And, and I think it's a way that could work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and especially, I think, you know, especially a wellness score. I mean, that's like, or an RPE score, you know, I, it's something that, you know, really is, could be free and it's so easy to utilize. Um, uh, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of, a lot of club teams should invest in something like that. 
because it will allow the coach to even at a point maybe make adjustment for the training session in order to, uh, you know, again, not worry about fatigue for the weekend. Because I just feel sometimes that coaches, uh, especially soccer coaches, are always going, trying to go 100% at every session, especially if they're not really understanding of the periodization. Um, and by the time the weekend comes around and they wonder why their kids are tired, it's like, well, you like exhausted them the whole week. <laughs> yeah. Um, it definitely contributes, you know, to, to that, you know, all those things contribute. And I think when you, um, you know, when you can look at those little things, you know, the, the art of coaching is, is definitely a real thing. And I think a lot of co- there's a lot of really good coaches that can see and know, and they just have that feel. And the idea behind collecting some of that information is not to say, Oh, if you're at a, a specific number we're, we're done. You know, it's, it's not that really, it's more, how can you combine those two, right? How can you say, my gut tells me this, you know, and the good, good coaches know, like my gut tells me this. And then it's confirmed like, okay, yeah, I'm seeing this. I need to change or carry on and push, you know? And, and that's, that's where I, I think data and, and, and information like wellness scores, RPE, GPS data, these types of things provide a lot of value, you know? And I, I also, think that if that kind of information is used regularly, you know, you can start to profile your team, you can start to profile your players. And now you have an idea of, of where they need to go. And, you know, by looking at what's happening throughout the week, you, you kind of know where they're coming from. So, um, you know, saying that, you know, it takes a, it takes a staff to, to execute that uh, consistently and, and, and do it well. So um, that poses its, its own challenges, but, you know, having a system of some sort that looks at the um, readiness and, and how they are, how the players are responding to what you're giving them in the form of training, right. Is I think uh, an easy effective way that anybody can do to be able to evaluate, you know, if, what they're doing is what they are truly after, or if it's kind of putting them, or if it's the opposite thing they're after. Right. So um, those are, those are my, you know, those are, those are my thoughts. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't mean they're right, but that's, uh, that's what I've, that's what I've seen. Uh, I think work pretty well in the past in my experience. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of going from YouTube college pro. I mean, cause you never know. And nowadays like kids are, skipping college going, you know, what are, you know, what are the qualities that you, you know, you see that a lot of kids are, I guess, you know, not quite there yet as far as physical prep. Um, I mean, cause especially you've been, you've worked in the college level, you've seen mm. probably both women and men's side. Um, you know, what do you see that they're sort of, I guess you could say deficient in or, not that well ready for and they you can definitely see it and it's maybe the reason why they're not making that jump the freshman year or that jump of starting on the pro team you know consistently so you mean so talking from college to pro or high school to just high school youth level to like you Mm -hmm. know because like you know if you're some there's kids that are being homegrown, they're going straight from high school yeah. straight to MLS or yeah. here to Europe or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, the physical side, I will say uh, mentality 
as if the player has the ability, um, I think, uh, you know, typically if you have ability that allows your foot in the door, right. Mm-hmm. But the, the mentality is, is often what I feel holds a lot of players back, you know, the inability to, um, the inability to, uh, deal with, uh, adversity, you know, and, and that's, that is, I think the, the, I think in any profession, uh, for any high performer, I think that is a limiting factor for, you know, for sure. I'm not a psychologist, so I won't, I won't go any further than that, but it's for sure. It's for sure plays a part. Um, talking specifically to the physical aspect of things. Um, one of the things, you know, the higher level you go, the less gap there is with regards to, speed, you know, strength, you know, these types of things that we, that we think about power. Right. Um, and, and they get to that level at the highest level and they don't necessarily need all those things if they are highly skilled in a position, right. They can be better. Right. But speaking truthfully, you get a player that's older who has had a successful career. It's really just, you know, what can you do to help the guy continue to take over improve, improve. But I think the ma- I think the big improvements happen at a younger age. You know, you're just, you're just more, more, uh, there's more ability to, to change, to make, uh, meaningful change in whatever it might be patterns, uh, you know, strength, power, th- these types of things. Uh, but, but the ability to handle work, the ability to handle work. And what I mean by that is, the demands of training, especially the higher the levels that you go, you know, high school is, we'll we'll say this, we'll, we'll say, I'm going to say that, you know, academy level play is higher level than high school. I'm going to, I'm going to say that. That's my, my belief. Well, that's for sure. (laughs) College, college, most colleges, you know, the, the, the physical aspect of things, the demand of work is going to be higher than, than maybe academy. Right. For sure from a professional standpoint, the demands of that work are going to be higher than, than a college. Now I'm not saying that college players don't do excessive work that in professional players, um, you know, train methodology, maybe it's not like four days. And I think you might see, you know, if I say four days, you know, it's not excessive amount of training. I'm talking about the ability to handle what the game demands are. So I'll give you an example at, at an MLS level. Um, it is not uncommon for MLS teams in preseason to literally put over 50 to 60 kilometers in a week at the USL level, 35 kilometers a week. You start to see guys break down, take that even lower in the college, the colleges I've worked with 25, 26, 27 kilometers they start to break down. And then you see the same kind of correlation uh, when you're looking at intense actions like high speed running, you know, and sprint distance, the distance covered, you know, distance covered, you know, above say seven meters per second. So you start to see that you, those are, those are some of the, the, the big differences is that the, the, the higher the level, the faster the game is, the more explosive actions are produced in the form of, uh, you know, sprint distance, uh, decelerations, you know, the, the changing of change of direction, these types of, these types of things. And 
the more they have to do all those actions. So as you know, those actions are costly. And if you aren't, if you can't handle that work, you, you won't, you, you won't make it right. You won't make it as far as, you know, being able to contribute to a 90, to a 90 minute match, you know, full on for, for 90 minutes, right. Still doing it, being able to produce those explosive actions over and over and over and over. So that's, that's the big difference. The, the one, and for me, for me is the ones that can handle the work um, are the ones who have the most success, you know, now it's a given all of them can play. All of them have yeah. the ability. I mean, that we're, we're, we're taking that out of the equation, but the ones that can handle the work, um, unless you are an old messy, you know, where, okay, maybe that's an exception. Um, you know, I'll, or, some, or, or a player who's super experienced, and I'll use um, I'll, I'll use a player that that I had. It was a pinnacle for me um, because I grew up watching him play and always loved him as a player. Was was Demarcus Beasley? Um, the guy didn't have to work as much, okay, to to still have a massive impact on the game. Now his his evolution went from higher up the field to further back on the field, but as far as a guy, you know, when you, when you exceed the ability to, when you can, when you're so tactically sound and you have the ability technically, um, and you're older with experience, I think you get away with that. I think, I think it's, I think you get away with that. I don't think the work then work becomes a little bit, the amount of work that you, the other people have to do, um, to still contribute to that level. Um, is, is less, is less without taking away from, from the team. So those are the big, those are the big ones. Okay. Is, is the ability to handle work and especially the ability to repeat those explosive actions and, and, and last for, for the duration. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that is the difference. That is the difference for, for me uh, when you talk about the stepping stones and, and the levels. So, okay. So when you're talking about that, okay. You know, is it one of the, is it one of those things where, you know, as kind of like going back to the beginning of this conversation is, is it one of those things where in order to get to expand your demand or expand your workload, um, is this person, is it better for them, I guess, to play more or play more in the sense of, uh, practice, like with some type of focus versus just like randomly practicing with, you know, whatever. First um, supplemental so, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus supplemental work. So you're saying yeah. it's better to just play a, a, a it's better in order to expand your work, it's better to participate in something where it's, you know, uh, like, you know, you're, you're in a practice practice where the where, whole team where is it there. Looks, where it looks like the game, right? Yes. So, yes. So I would, and you know, I might get, I might get, you know, cursed up and down for saying this, but you know, if we're talking about specific work, the specific work that is required of a soccer player, then there's no better way to develop capacity than to play the game. You know, because it's again, we go back to that principle of specific specific adaptations to impose demands. Perfect example: this COVID period with Phoenix Rising, we couldn't be together, so all the work we did was supplemental. 
So we're looking, you know, we, we designed, uh, you know, a conditioning program. Okay. Based off of GPS data we've collected over the, over 18 months to try and get guys some individualized stuff, you know, from a, from a high speed running uh, standpoint and then also a volume standpoint to build, to, to maintain capacity. And, and guys did it, you know, they're reporting to me. I'm, I'm looking at their, their information. They're doing it. They're doing the work. Um, but when it came time to come back and play, there's a massive difference in, in, in the intensity and their ability to hold the intensity throughout a training session. And players will even tell you, I feel like I'm so fit, but I come out here and it's like I've done nothing. So mm-hmm. the, right there, that tells you, that tells you that, yeah, it's not specific work to what to the demands that you're being asked to do and maintain. Now, saying that, the supplemental work is absolutely critical to being able to start at a higher intensity, say yeah. in a preseason. So if you come in with a base, if you come in with capacity, you are allowing opportunity to start these explosive and intense actions and building those earlier on, I think. Not from day one, but I think you can get to it earlier on. And that's what we actually saw uh, from my first year to this year is that players, based off of some of the fitness testing that, that we do, numbers were significantly higher this time on, say, your, your capacity test, your aerobic capacity, your aerobic endurance, your speed endurance testing, right? And I, I think that correlates. I think that correlates. Now, when they played... They were knackered. They weren't, they weren't coming out like they've been six months into the season and, you know, winning all sorts of games and, and just and floating around and being able to put in 12 kilometers with, you know, 800 meters of, of sprint distance. You know, they weren't, they weren't there yet, but they, uh, they had the ability to, they had a good starting point, I guess you could say, versus if, if a group doesn't come in like that right away then you have to be very mindful of that to build, to build that. Otherwise you, you end up with, you end up with a lot of issues. You end up with a lot of issues physically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that, especially. And then again, like comes back to sort of what I was saying before. It's like, you know, it's better be prepared for the, you know, doing some type of work for that preseason. And then, you know, and, and again, like it's the same with college, you know, doing your quote unquote college packet or doing something over the summer instead of sitting on the couch. Uh, <clears throat> again, there, I, but again, it's a fine line because you don't want to do too much where you're doing all summer and you get into preseason and you're so fatigued that, you know, uh, you get, you start getting, you know, like you said, nagging injuries or, you know, you're, yeah, whatever happens, and I'm sure that happens a lot too. For sure, yeah. And I, you know, I think you know, college is college is a different animal, and it's yeah. in its own right. You know, as as with regards to talk about you know volume that you have to tolerate. Uh, you know, the players that kind of make it have the ability to, to tolerate volume. All right, that isn't really uh, doesn't isn't this isn't the the best way to i think uh optimize performance but you're kind of left with no choice right because games are so close together um some coaches that don't educate themselves you know on 
the physical piece can sometimes overload at, at often overload at, at wrong times and yeah. overload overload to them doesn't doesn't if 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 people aren't you know bent over breathing hard sweating and they, you know that 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 means they they weren't they're not overloaded right so the the idea there is you know where the the concept of like working at intensity and quality becomes super important right so college seasons are short you know to build a base if you haven't started months in advance um then i think players are at a massive disadvantage because the volume that is required of them to during a season um requires requires a base but if you don't do anything and you wait until preseason to try and get the base it it, it you get this short-term fitness but it doesn't it doesn't uh lend itself well to being able to, to continue to, to, to go and go and go without, you know, increasing your risk of, you know, fatigue accumulation and, and ultimately, you know, setbacks in the, in the form of injuries. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the idea is once you get the volume, once you have the volume that is appropriate for you to be able to support recovery and, and, and be able to handle the work, the initial work, once you get to the volume, uh, for me, it's all about now you're, now you're topping off intensity and you're maintaining intensity. You're not letting that drop while you maintain volume to, to a degree. More volume does not mean uh, continue to go higher, continue to go higher, continue to go higher. Know what the demands are, know the positional demands, know the team demands, and talk to the coach about, hey, you know, one of the things that we did is, you know, we, you fit as a, as, a, as a performance coach, you're looking at the information. Now, a good, a good thing to, to do is go to the coaching staff and say, Hey, how would you rate these performances? And they can rate these performances. And now you can try and correlate that with data to say, okay, they love these performances. They thought the team was, was, was really good. The opponent was a, was a tough opponent and they've rated these, these sessions, these, these games accordingly. You look back and you say, okay, well, how do you now rate the players? What do you think of player, 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 player? Now you start to get an idea. You start to profile these players. And again, that allows you the opportunity to now say, this is what this player needs to be able to do. And you can track that throughout, throughout the training weeks and months to be able to give you an idea of, are we, are we maintaining what we need to maintain from a volume standpoint and then keeping intensity or are we overshooting or are we super, are we, are we too low? It, you know, so it, just, it gives you, it gives you a framework to be able to operate and make some, decisions yeah yeah that totally makes sense and 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 i think that's uh it's it's important that the volume is there obviously uh you know and then you know not too much um but it's there for these kids um i mean i think the volume is also important because i you know the demand of the game especially when i mean i'm kind of going back to youth level youth side you know it's almost like a very similar schedule, not really a similar schedule, but very similar way of setup. Um, not too many games are, I mean, yeah, the games are spread out week by week, maybe like, but sometimes you have games like right after the, you know, a 90 minute the next day. Um, and so, so that's, that's the interesting thing with, you know, sometimes you, you, you have to play with, um, as a youth athlete, as a youth soccer player in this country, it's like sometimes you have two high demanding games right back to back. And then you have like 
sometimes you don't even have day off on Monday. So it's like, uh, it's interesting that, you know, there's so many things you got to play with. And I think a lot of coaches don't, uh, uh, coaches and strength coaches, whatever, if it was, there was a, if there was an ability to have a strength coach in a club soccer and ha- mm-hmm. and help these club soccer coaches, especially here to understand, I think a lot, there'll be a lot different and a lot of kids won't burn out. A lot of kids will have more success and a lot of kids will have less injuries. Um, but you know, maybe that's something that coaches don't really, or clubs don't really care about. They just care about yeah. just playing and that's what it is. Yeah. You know, and what, and what I'll say to that is like, you know, people don't, people don't know what they don't know. They, they see the world through, through their own eyes and their perspectives. Right. So, mm-hmm. so this is a great opportunity in my opinion for, for performance coaches to get your foot in the door to educate, you know, to educate and then come with a plan, come with recommendations, you know, getting, get involved. And now all of a sudden you have somebody that's a believer, you know, and I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing is, is I think a lot of coaches are are desperate for the information, but um, they don't know where to look. They don't know what's good. They don't know what's not good. Right. So I think it's, it's up to us to be able, you know, as, as performance people um, to, to kind of, put ourselves in those positions where we're approachable and that where we can begin to educate on why this is important, how the implementation can work. And, and uh, I think that opens the door and gives you an opportunity to, 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 to change, to make some, some significant change, especially within youth sport. Okay. Not just soccer, but you know, all youth sport. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So kind of, going to wrap this up a little bit. So what you're, you said you're at special operations. What are you doing there? Yeah. So no, I'm uh, so my, my, I'm at, uh, I'm at a TSOC, which is a theater special operations command, which is a, um, it's a, at a base here in, in South Florida, Key Largo, Florida area, uh, homestead area. And my role within, within this uh, organization is, is the title is a, is a human performance advisor uh, where I'm, I basically uh, have a staff of, of four of athletic trainer, uh, physio and, um, and a strength, two strength coaches uh, where, and the goal for me is, is to really, my, my role is to, is to create an environment for their special operators. So your green berets, your Navy seals, um, to, to be able to, uh, you know, basically optimize their performance. So if they happen to deploy or, you know, have just basic, you know, they're at the end of their tenure and they, they need to, you know, maintain themselves. Uh, the idea is to is to basically take the same concepts of a team setting and apply it into this into this population. So it's it's definitely um, there are tons of similarities, uh, but the population is really unique in that um, you know these these I've never been in a situation where I didn't have experience that the operators had prior. If that makes sense. So I played soccer, so going into a soccer environment was very familiar. You kind of understood the culture. Mm-hmm. Here it's here it's it's definitely different and not in a bad way. It's just it's just different. So uh, it's been it's been seven weeks now. Um, really enjoy the challenge. Uh, really enjoy 
the the group that uh, that we get to work with. And um, yeah, I mean, just you know, the the, the prospect of trying to build something, uh, contribute to something that that isn't there currently uh, is was really was really exciting. So um, my my wife and I are you know consider Florida home. So we decided you know an opportunity like this you can't you can't pass up. Yeah. So uh, so we decided to to, to make the make the trek back. Nice. Uh, well, Steve, I really appreciate the, taking the time out to, um, you know, talk about soccer and physical yeah. preparation. And it's, uh, it's always good to get a perspective from, you know, someone who's been through it all, you know, at all levels. Um, it's, you know, I had, you know, Sean Arndt, he's at, uh, he was at Rutgers and now he's at South Carolina. Don't think uh, I don't think I know Sean. Uh, no, he was he. I didn't even know this until I had him on here. He was talking. Uh, he was, he played for UVA, won national championship with like. Um, I mean, this is a long time ago, like the nineties with. Uh, I, I forget Bruce Arena. <laughs> Bruce Arena. Yeah, yeah Bruce yeah. Arena was there yeah. as the coach, but like players that we would we definitely know. Um, I didn't even know, and then he, uh, you know, got into the whole you know, physical prep and PhD and all that kind of stuff. So it was interesting to hear his point of view and yours. And there's a lot of similarities. Um, yeah. I mean, and the things that he did at Rutgers um, was interesting too. So it's, so it's interesting to get different perspectives about, you know, uh, people that have been in the game and um, mm-hmm. understand how to, uh, you know, get people, get players ready or, get make sure that they're playing at a high level each game um because that you know at the end of the day that's the point it's not practice it's not physical training it's we got to get you to play at the, the highest highest at the game um so it's it's good to hear um you know some ideas that i kind of jotted down um but um how can you know people connect with you uh now because i yeah. know before it was somewhere else but i think it's a little bit different now yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, email, uh, link LinkedIn or email is, is, uh, is, is fine. Email tends to be a little bit better for me. Uh, I try to get back to, to everyone that, that emails. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, not super active on social media. Social media. Okay. Um, so email is, is, is the best way, you know, and I can, right. uh, I can leave, I can give that to you and you can put it in. Yeah, yeah. Let me, what is it? It's uh, Steve Fell, S-T-E-V-E, F as in Frank, E-L-L, 1983 at yahoo.com. Yeah. And more than happy to, to talk to anyone, uh, mm-hmm. you know, about, about, you know, what we've just discussed. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm super passionate about it and, uh, always up for a good, a good conversation. Thanks for listening to train to perform with Julian Sisman. Learn how you can work with Julian in a personal training session, either online or in person at prepareforperformance.com and follow on social media for more tips on training, fitness, and sports performance on Twitter at jsisman_pfp underscore PFP and Instagram at prepare for performance.